water, earth, fire, air. Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then, everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. A hundred years passed, and my brother and I discovered a new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he's a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe Aang can save the world. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to What's Appa, a rewatch podcast of the greatest show ever, Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm Joyce. I'm Justin. And I'm Anin. And this week, we want to give a special shout out to our friend Izzy, who read the intro. Before we get into the plot of the episode, we have a couple of quick announcements, um, some new breaking news, but that's not so breaking anymore, um, and a quick correction. So first, we wanted to uh, issue a correction on the fact that last episode, we said Brian McKittrick for the voice actor of Foaming Mouth Guy, but we actually meant Byron McKittrick. So yeah, just want to put that out there. And then we wanted to talk about the huge news that Mike DiMartino and Brian Konitzko are leaving the Netflix live action adaptation of Avatar. And we kind of wanted to talk about this um, slash give you more information about kind of what went down, because I know I didn't know all the details until I kind of looked or dug deeper into it. So Basically, both creators quit. Um, they announced this at the time that this episode will be released about a month ago. Um, so apologies for the delay in our podcast episode. Um, but they started collaborating on this project about two years ago in 2018. But then they cited creative differences with the streamer, which caused them to leave. And Mike said, whatever version ends up on screen, it will not be what Brian and I had envisioned or intended to make. He wrote this whole blog post, I think Instagram post or blog post about it. Um, and in that post, you can see his full statement. But I just had some of the clip or clipped out some of the most like hard hitting sentences here. Um, so one thing he said was it was the hardest professional decision I've ever had to make and certainly not one that I took lightly, but it was necessary for my happiness and creative integrity. And then Brian, after Mike issued his own statement, and he was a little bit uh, harsher in his statement. And this one I know is on his Instagram account. And he said both he and Mike are fine with collaborating as long as they felt like those ideas were in line with the spirit and integrity of Avatar. But as things progressed, they both, quote, came to the belief that we would not be able to meaningfully guide the direction of the series. And then he continued with, when Netflix brought me on board to run this series alongside Mike two years ago, they made a very public promise to support our vision. Unfortunately, there was no follow through on that promise. He also called the project a, quote, negative and unsupportive environment. So pretty harsh language from Brian here. And then a Netflix representative issued a statement that was that said, we have complete respect and admiration for Michael and Brian and the story that they created in the Avatar animated series. Although they have chosen to depart the live action project, we are confident in the creative team and their adaptation. So those are the official statements that are out there. Um, and of course, on the internet, rumors are flying about what really happened. So I was just kind of going through the Reddit page, which is the source of all truth on the internet. It's where the tea is spilled. And um, some people thought this might have to do with Netflix wanting to age up the characters, which kind of makes sense if you think about getting, you know, some like good looking like actors and actresses who are maybe a little bit more famous. Um, perhaps they wanted to change the ethnicity of the water tribe. Um, they thought that maybe they'd want to uh, put added emphasis onto teen drama or relationship drama. Um, and 
the last one, which I was thought was really interesting, was not Netflix not wanting to invest the time and energy into training the actors and actresses in the martial arts, um, which I think like would definitely be a like a large investment of money and time. Um, so those are some of the rumors I heard. Um, do you guys did you guys find anything else out there about why they might have left? Um, well, I didn't do too much digging, but yeah, I mean, it's sad to see them go. Like you would hope that with them around the show would, you know, stay true to the original source material and, and, you know, just be really good. But, you know, I'm still going to watch it <laughs> Yeah, uh, me too. and we'll hope for the best. So we'll see what happens. I saw a rumor that they were going to change the relationship to a Zutara ending. <gasps> so that'd be interesting. Um, what? My personal take is they didn't want to train a lemur to play Momo, who obviously is the most important character. <laughs> um, okay, so there are some potential silver linings, though. So one one silver lining is that Dan Lin, was, who was an executive producer on the animated series, is still involved with Netflix's version. And there are a lot of other uh, collaborators who were involved in the original series as well, who are still on the Netflix production. Um, and he, Dan Lin was also involved with the Lego movie, which I haven't seen, but everyone is obsessed with and Disney's live action Aladdin, which everyone is not obsessed with, but I enjoyed. Um, so I think there's hope out there, um, for, you know, there's some hope. So, um, another interesting thing I found was that, uh, this situation has kind of been compared to the situation surrounding the Percy Jackson live action uh, movie, which Rick Riordan, who is the author of Percy, the Percy Jackson series, actually also released this like huge, you know, blog post that was breaking news about him deciding to leave the production. And it was like very heartbreaking and dramatic. Um, and that movie turned out terribly. So I hear. Yeah, I saw it in theaters and I had really high hopes and it was pretty garbage. So let's hope the same thing doesn't happen. Yeah. So it's not looking great, but who knows, you know, it could it could be great. But also Netflix has a lot of trash TV shows. Speaking of great Netflix TV shows, Korra is now on Netflix. So please go check out the clearly better avatar. So with that, let's get into discussing Jet. All right. So previously on Avatar, I know it was a long time ago, uh, but we had uh, Katara who bonded with Haru because uh, they were able to bond over their parents who had left them in their youth. Uh, and we also had Katara and Aang practicing waterbending. Great. So the first scene is Momo getting caught in this like trap thing in the trees. Um, but before that, we see these really illustrative red trees in the first shot, which reminds me of some of the other scenery we've seen in other in previous episodes where it's very like it looks painted or watercolored. Um, but yeah, he gets captured by this trap as he's lured in by these lychee seeds. And then Aang finds Momo and he flies up to like retrieve him, which was really cool. And then Momo still gets to eat his lychee nuts while the Momo theme plays. And in the background, we see Sokka groaning and frowning um, because Sokka and Momo are frenemies, obviously, and he hates when Momo gets to just do whatever he wants. Yeah, Sokka and Momo are my favorite. Um, but you might be wondering what those other animals are in the same shot when Momo is trapped. So the other two animals that are pictured are actually hog monkeys, the famous <laughs> hog monkeys. Uh, yeah, and they're like really menacing looking because they they're like the face of a monkey, but the physique of a, of a hog, which uh, you can imagine is really threatening. But uh, it's cool to see that they actually threw these animals into the show for real. 
I know it's mentioned all the time. Um, so yeah, that's a nice callback. And yeah, also Aang decides to save the hog monkeys as well, which kind of just is another, uh, gestures to the fact that Aang is loves animals and loves nature. Um, Mm -hmm. and then meanwhile, Sokka wants to leave because he realizes that the traps are fire nation traps. And he says, you can tell by the metalwork. Yeah, I think this is really cool because we see this play a much bigger role later on in the show, not only because it lays the groundwork and is the precursor to a lot of the technology that the Fire Nation employs, but it also plays a huge role in the graphic novels um, and starts in The Promise, which is the first graphic novel. Um, Another really cool thing about this scene is everything is really red. Um, In fact, we had a discussion while doing research that we thought it was actually autumn because all the leaves were red. Um, we know from the first couple episodes that it is indeed winter, but it's just interesting because we see this common pattern that, you know, the coloring, the color grading is very important in this show. So I think this red is setting up for a very intense episode, a very violent episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the next scene is they're preparing to leave because Sokka is being kind of paranoid. And he says no flying this time because he says that's how Zuko keeps finding them because Appa is too noticeable. And then there's this whole dialogue between Katara and Sokka. And Katara says, oh, who made you the boss? And Sokka says, I'm not the boss. I'm the leader. And Katara says, you're the leader, but your voice still cracks. And he says, I'm the oldest. And so I'm the leader. And then he says that in like a really low voice. And I just thought that this was Sokka wanting to play warrior and be like, you know, wanting to step into this role of warrior and leader that he really like at this point isn't fully capable of. Um, and I don't even I wouldn't even call him a warrior yet. I like he has. I feel like he really hasn't done anything <laughs> to warrant these titles. So, yeah, he's definitely just like kind of insecure here. Um, and then Katara says, why do boys always think someone has to be the leader? I bet you wouldn't be so bossy if you kissed a girl. Um, and this was just weird. It just made me a little uncomfortable because I was like, this is kind of like a weird jab and weird dynamic. But it's also like, I guess it's like cute and like she's teasing him. And this is like, you know, it's kind of nice to always see Katara and Sokka having their little rivalry because it makes the moments when they're like later in this episode when Katara gets very defensive of Sokka, just a lot more tender and sweet. Um, But yeah, this is kind of a weird one for me, but whatever. Um, And then I also read this online that Katara is saying saying this as a jab to Sokka, but she's only ever seen her, in terms of teenage boys that she's encountered, she's only ever seen her brother. um, And besides that, just Zuko and Haru. So it's like, how can she, you know, dole out this diss, uh, you know, because she like, she isn't really like in a place to say that. I also think it's interesting she says this because I find her particularly annoying this episode. And later on in the show, I believe in season two, there's an Avatar extra that says that her first kiss was with Jet. So we actually do find out that she's pretty annoying this episode because she's infatuated with Jet. And, you know, after they kiss, she kind of chills out. (laughs) What is that supposed to mean? (laughs) No, Katara, you don't need no man. Okay. Um, Another thing, another piece of uh, feminist empowerment is that I noticed that Katara calls Sokka bossy. And we know that bossy is typically a word uh, used to kind of put down young girls. But she's really reclaiming the word bossy and using it against Sokka. So 
good on her for this moment. But she, yes, she is annoying in this episode sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they end up deciding to trust Sokka's instincts and they walk. Yeah, and then we have Aang making a little comment here. He's like, who knows, walking could be fun. So we see a good old optimistic Aang here. But that quickly turns around. Yes, because in the next second, he says, walking stinks. How do people go anywhere without a flying bison? And then there's a whole like kind of, well, I don't know. Maybe Justin thinks it's annoying, but I think it's funny. And Katara says, well, I don't know, Aang. Why don't you ask Sokka's instincts? And then there's another line after that where Aang is like, oh, my pack is so heavy. And then Katara is like, oh, well, you know who you should ask to carry your pack? Sokka's instincts. And like that one was so random that it just made me laugh. And I was like, okay, Katara, she has some funny moments in the show. Yeah, I just found her really annoying here because, you know, Sokka is making some pretty good points. Um, it's not a bad hypothesis to test. And also, Katara is usually the one following her instincts, and Sokka doesn't usually give her this much trouble for doing mm-hmm. so. So I'm going to respectfully disagree, but I just thought it was funny. <laughs> um, but, you know, they, I mean, yeah, it quickly, the, the jeering quickly ends when they walk into a Fire Nation camp. Yeah, so they walk into the camp, and... We see this really cool Fire Nation guy with an eye patch. He's so cool. Uh, walk up to them and shoot this blast, fire blast right at them. And so luckily they jump out of uh, the way in time. But Sokka's shirt actually catches on fire and Katara uses her water to put out the fire. So maybe this is an allusion to uh, water's healing capabilities. Mm, yeah, good catch. Um so yeah, right after that, they get cut off by, by this fire and the leader of the camp actually, or it looks like they're screwed, And but then the leader of the camp gets shot with a dart and they get saved by Jet. So some fun facts about Jet and crew. Um, Jet is stylistically inspired by Spike, who is the lead protagonist in Cowboy Bebop, a very influential anime um one of the earliest you know mainstream uh animes to really hit uh america at least and the creators of jet were actually the korean animators because they had a lot of trouble trying to animate these very interesting personalities and for the longest time they really couldn't settle on a design so they let the korean animators specifically um someone named ki hyun ryu uh take a lot of that home which is why stylistically jet and the rest of his crew are very interesting in that you know they're not proportioned normally pipsqueak is literally two times the size (laughs) of everyone else in the show um they in fact, do look lot look a lot like anime characters, and um, they were such a hit that Jet was brought back later on in the show, and he himself eventually went on to have a very influential role in Korra. Mm. So, yeah, that is that's super cool. No, this like episode does have a kind of different feel and look to it, um, as I will describe in a later scene. So. Um, Yeah, this action sequence is pretty cool because we're getting an introduction to Jet and his awesome fighting style. He has these two hooked swords, which are he can do basically anything with. And he super slow motion kind of hooks them onto these two more soldiers and flips them 
on top of the first captain guy with the eye patch. And this whole sequence is in slow motion, which just feels like you like you have so much time to kind of take in Jet as this like awesome character. And yeah, I just think of I don't know, maybe I started noticing it with the uh, Winter Solstice episode where Aang was in slow motion. They just I don't think they use it very often, but these are twice in this episode. And yeah, they use it to introduce Jet, which makes him super epic. Yeah. Um, so more about Jet's signature weapon, the two hooked swords. So they go wherever he goes. Um, and so they're actually based on this real Chinese weapon, this kind of exotic weapon uh, used in more northern styles of Chinese martial arts and by Shaolin monks. Um, and it also has a Chinese name that I won't dare pronounce in front of you both, uh, <laughs> but it translates to heaven and earth, sun and moon sword. And so if you actually take a closer look at these weapons, it's pretty cool because I did not notice it when I was just watching the show. But it's actually made up of three different weapons. There's the hooks at the end, which do most of the action. Um, right above where you hold it above the fist, there's this like arced blade. And then at the other end of the weapon like on the back of the weapon there's a spearhead like right on like right under the handle so there's actually three weapons in one in these in this hooked sword which is pretty cool yeah that's just too powerful that's like kind of that's like having three types of bending (laughs) just kidding but maybe yeah jet Um, is the avatar yeah exactly jet is the avatar for the non-benders secretly (laughs) This is the weapon you have to get your hands on. Um, yeah. And then the other members of Jet's crew come or they appear in the trees and they start just taking down the rest of the Fire Nation camp. So easy. They don't even have to like lift a finger and they're just all taken down and knocked down, whatever. Yeah, they're real pros. And so Sokka comes over and also wants a piece of the action. So he comes over to this Fire Nation soldier and holds up his weapon like he's about to hit the Fire Nation guy. But then Jet swoops in and steals the kill. And Sokka's really sad. But I think this little um, interaction is important because at the beginning of the episode, we kind of set up the show sets up Sokka as in like this insecure phase, insecure warrior. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we know that traditionally in the past, Sokka has been very like insecure around Katar and Aang because they're benders and they do most of the action and he's kind of just sat around and now he's about to get in a piece of the action but we see Jet come in and take uh, the kill so Sokka's even worse than another non-bender and so mm-hmm. I think that kind of sets him back even further and makes him more insecure that this other non-bender Jet is so good and Sokka can't mm. even compare to him. Yeah, that's a really good point. We haven't seen anybody else who's a non-bender who's just such, who's a really, really good fighter. So yeah, Sokka is super upset. Um, and meanwhile, Katara looks very, very impressed. Um, and then the scene ends with Jet taking down the last guy. And he does this by walking on top of his body and just hopping off of his head, and <laughs> which is just funny um, and also very cool. And then he walks right, he leaps right over to Katara and he says, hey, and then she says, hi. And he's so, he's so close to her. And you can just see first, first, just what a smooth introduction. Also, he's so tall. So like Justin was saying, like all of these people are kind of just giant, um, literally and figuratively, I guess, as like big, cool characters. Um, 
Anyways, and Aang is also very impressed. So Aang says, you just took out a whole army single-handedly. And Sokka says, well, they're only like 20 guys. So, um, and Jet introduces himself and he says that we're the freedom fighters. And he introduces all of them, Sneers, Longshot, Smellerby, the Duke, and Pipsqueak. So yeah, the freedom fighters etymologically are probably closest related to the freedom riders, which are a group of um, American civil rights activists who are fighting for, you know, kind of the rights of, at the time, all Americans to be included in society, which is kind of somewhat related to the mission of the freedom fighters. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably not as extreme, though. Yeah. So another like comparison that has been drawn uh, from the Freedom Fighters are Robin Hood and the Merry Men who kind of wanted to take from the rich and give it to the poor. So in a similar vein, you can kind of view the Freedom Fighters uh, in Avatar. And they've also been compared to uh, Peter Pan and the Lost Boys. So I guess there are some archetypes uh, resembling what the Freedom Fighters represent. So then another, there's another cue moment at the end of this scene where Aang goes to Pipsqueak and the Duke, and he's like, uh, are you Pipsqueak? And then Pipsqueak, who's the giant guy, compared to the Duke, who's this like two foot tall kid, um, he's like, yeah, you think that's funny? And then Aang's like, that's hilarious. And then they all laugh. And then <laughs> Pipsqueak like knocks Aang down. And then Aang gets up and starts laughing even harder. And first of all, this was just a really funny moment. Like I actually laughed out loud during the scene because it was very enjoyable. But also, I think as we've seen with King Boomy, as we mentioned before, and as we see with Toph, I think this is just another moment where the writers of the show have another don't judge the book by its cover moment because, you know, the Duke is this really small kid and Pixweek is this really large man and is just another moment where they have a a teaching moment yeah 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 i think this also speaks to ing's character really well that he just doesn't get mad in this situation yeah much more monk-like here yeah yeah totally that's a really good connection i just thought of it as a funny moment but no that is it does take that point further um the next scene is they're looting the camp that the fire nation soldiers have now fled from and Sokka is just very grumpy very suspicious and Katara, meanwhile, is turning on the charm. So she walks over to Jet and she says, um, thanks for saving us, Jet. We're lucky you were there. (laughs) And her voice is higher and sweeter and it's just so cringy and kind of gross. But okay, girl, shoot your shot, you know, like don't let anyone stop you. And Jet then offers to show them the hideout. And Aang and Katara are very excited and they want to see it immediately um and they're like yes 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 and jet's eyes kind of soften when katara says she wants to see it so <laughs> no jet is such a sweet genuine guy right now oh man like he's what the could best. go wrong <laughs> exactly um so they're walking towards the hideout and Sokka is just very skeptical when he sees no hideout um but then jet pulls down this rope and he just gets dragged into the trees and then ang is like i'm gonna fly up on my own and then that leaves jet alone with Katara, and he says, grab hold of me, Katara. And then Katara grabs hold of him, and then they ascend into the trees, and there's this warm lighting, and Katara... Oh, well, actually, before that, Katara spins into his arms in slow motion. So here's slow motion moment number two. So they're really doing it up for Jet right here to make you feel extra betrayed by him later. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But yeah, like I was saying, the lighting is changing to this warm yellow lighting, which we've associate with which we've seen only associated at this point with flashbacks where everything is perfect. So this is just the most like perfect, idyllic cinematic scene. Um, and this is the moment where I realized that this episode looks a little different. Um, it just the style here seems very anime um and Katara's blushing she has the blush uh circles like the pink literal circles on her cheeks and the way she looks up at Jet at one point during the scene is just so she looks so demure and just kind of it just looks like it's a, in a slightly different style um and yeah it was a lot yeah this was a lot this I the first time or like when I was rewatching it I did not think this was real like I didn't think this was actually an episode it seems so out of place but you know whatever like sure um so then they actually go up to the village hideout and it's really cool basically it's on the treetops and there are all these huts and they're connected by various bridges and it's just very idyllic and it's just a very cool um environment that they're in and so this um tree house this whole tree house thing was actually inspired by star wars episode six uh in the ewok uh forest village on endor and full disclosure i haven't really watch star wars that much um but uh i've seen an image of it and yeah basically it's the same thing they're just a bunch of huts in the trees connected by bridges and apparently in uh the show notes or like the storyboards when they're first creating this episode uh in the uh segment where they were in this uh village hideout the notes actually said uh ewok village so i think it was very explicitly uh inspired by that scene yeah, I think that's a very apt comparison because like the Freedom Fighters, the Ewoks are very cute. But if you get too close, they get very dangerous but with plastic jelly. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um, so Aang, when he gets up to the hideout, is completely just having a great time flying around. It's like his dream playground where he can finally be a kid. Uh, meanwhile, he's completely oblivious to the fact that Jet is moving in on his girl. Um, and later they're walking around through the hideout. Um, Jet and Katara are walking together and they're with Smeller B and Pipsqueak. And Smeller B says about the Fire Nation, they would love to find you, wouldn't they, Jet? And Katara says, why? And Jet says, well... I've been causing them a little bit of trouble. And Pipsqueak says, we've been ambushing their troops, cutting off their supply lines and doing anything we can to mess with them. And Jet reveals his grand plan and says, one day we'll drive the Fire Nation out of here for good and free that town. He's referring to this Earth Kingdom town that has now been occupied by the Fire Nation for many years. Yeah. And throughout this whole dialogue, uh, we learned some of the facts behind some of the other freedom fighters. So Jet actually reveals that the Fire Nation killed his parents and Katara and him are able to bond over that. And then he also says none of the Freedom Fighters never really had a home. And even the uh, the Duke was caught stealing food. And that's when they brought him into his little gang. So, again, I know Justin has mentioned this uh, many times, but it's just when children are like the product of wartime, the children that are the product of wartime have really, really tragic lives. And it's worth noting that these are just children. Mm hmm. Anyways, then while Jet is explaining all of this, we see Sokka start to poke his head around in the back, which is 
quite funny and I definitely did not notice it on my first watch but he is just trying to be visible to the camera which doesn't really make sense because who it wouldn't make sense in real life but eventually he um finds his way into the front of the crowd and he says yeah nothing's braver than a guy in a treehouse when they're talking about jet but then katara is like oh excuse my brother he's you know being rude and then jet says oh he probably had a rough day and then sokka kind of shrinks away um poor sokka but yeah so then Jet kind of explains how the Fire Nation killed his parents and then Katara gets to share her relatable story and this is just another moment where they bond and get a little closer. So this is a thing that Katara uh, has in common with all the, with the boys. <laughs> Wait, literally, I just realized that she also has this in common with Zuko. Yeah. I just realized this. I was like, oh, Haru and Jet. But then, you know, in season two... She bonds. The moment she starts to feel like she can open up to Zuko is when they talk about their parents. The only person she doesn't have it in common with is Aang. That's what makes him the most special. Anyways, wow. I just noticed. I I just realized that. So crazy. Okay. So then the next scene is the dinner scene when it's nighttime and Jet is toast proposing a toast to the whole freedom fighter crowd and whoever else is in the trees with them because there are like a billion people in the trees and i'm just like who are you people um other homeless children i guess which is sad um but he's yeah and he's hyping everyone up after their victory yeah and then at the end of the speech uh he has this quote where he says now the fire nation thinks that they don't have to worry about a couple of kids hiding in the trees maybe they're right or maybe they're dead wrong I think there's some foreshadowing there with the dead wrong. Wow. So it wasn't just a figure of speech? No, I don't think so. Jet's up to something. Uh, (laughs) No, at this point, I think he's still good. I thought he was still good. On my first watch, probably. Um, Anyways, then Katara afterwards says, Hey, Jet, nice speech. Yeah, I thought it was a particularly bad speech. (laughs) 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 Um... (laughs) Like, Katara here is clearly just heads over heels. Like, comparing this speech to her speech in the prison, it's night and day. You know, she has an appeal to emotion, a call to action. He has none of that here. The whole dead wrong thing just, like, sounds awful to my ears. Yeah, no, definitely. Katara is much more eloquent than him. So, you know, that's the first clue. You're out of his league, honey. You need to walk away fast. Turn around and run. Um, Okay, so then... Then after that speech thing is over, Jet is joining them for dinner and he compliments Katara and Aang's bending against the Fire Nation soldiers. And Katara's like, oh, you know, I was okay, but, you know, Aang is the avatar and she blushes and she's like, I could use some more training, though. She's so coy. This is so unlike her. Um, And Sokka is just frowning in the background the whole time. And then Jet says, avatar, very nice. And he says, Thanks, Jet. <laughs> he says it literally like that, <laughs> which is so funny. It was like, wait a second. Why is Aang in love with Jet, too? So question for the audience. Why is Aang in love with Jet? Yeah, so that's a good question. So I think one of the reasons that Aang is so taken with Jet is because of my theory that, you know, the first half of the first season of Avatar is basically these independent or a lot more of these independent episodes that kind of go on uh, and they kind of can happen interchangeably. And a lot of the character writing is 
written to suit the purposes of that episode. So, for example, in the King Bumi episode, it was an Aang central episode. So Aang did everything and Katara and Sokka were kind of out of character and just on the side. And then in the Warriors of Kiyoshi episode, Aang and Katara were a little out of character and had their whole fight that I don't know would normally happen. And in this episode, it's like a Sokka central Sokka centric episode with a little bit of Katara splashed in. And then Aang is kind of just there. And so maybe he's just, you know, his normal goofy self. I can kind of see that. But he's like so taken with Jet. That's kind of weird. And I did notice that as being kind of out of place for Aang's character. Yeah. I also think it's like important to remember, um, you know, Aang, it's been a while since he's been with, you know, other people his age because Katara and Sokka are a little bit older than him and in the flashback with Monkey Azzo, we see him playing with, you know, other kids. And I think this is the first time where he's kind of up in the trees. He's in his element. He's in the air. There's these other kids his age and they're all flying up on these ropes. So maybe he's just having a little bit of a nostalgic moment and he doesn't want to think about chasing Katara for a sec. Yeah, that's mm. a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, so to answer my own question, I read this <laughs> online and thought it was interesting. So one thing I read was that, oh, maybe Aang is so impressed with Jet too is because, yes, he's a great fighter, he's a great leader, but also he and his freedom fighters are a group of people, group of young kids who are affecting a lot of, not a lot of change, but maybe for him, significant change by taking down all these Fire Nation troops, trying to save the whole valley. Um, and for him, it's inspiration as a 12-year-old avatar and his crew his team katara and sokka inspiration for them to get the to feel like they really can turn the tide of this war which is a huge task and here he sees these other young youngins doing just as good of work maybe mm -hmm. um or maybe it's like the first crew of kids who can serve for serve as an example for team avatar yeah that's a good um, point yeah so I thought that was interesting. Um, but then at the end of dinner, Sokka says, well, we're leaving tomorrow. And he just cuts the party short. And Jet being a people person. And we know who else is a people person in this show. Azula. And I actually do see a lot of parallels between the two of them, which is kind of cool. Um, and he says, Sokka, you're kidding. I needed you on an important mission tomorrow. And I think this is the first moment where... I realized that like he's not as genuine as he's or he's not genuine and he is not everything that he seems to be, which is this perfect, amazing person. <laughs> yeah, I think the comparison to Azula is actually really good. I never noticed it until you just brought it up because, yeah, Jet is such a good manipulator. Like he really does understand people at a very good level. Because as we just saw, you know, he's flattering Katara and Aang, trying to get them on his side so he can use them for his evil purposes. And here he's playing into Sokka's insecurity and trying to get him for the mission so he can use Sokka as well. So he's really good at reading people and using them, playing with mm -hmm. them to his advantage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then uh, the next scene is them in the forest, Sokka with the Freedom Fighters on this secret mission of theirs. Uh, and so the first thing we see is that Sokka actually plants his dagger into the tree to amplify vibrations in order to hear um, if anyone's coming, which is a really cool touch. Yeah. And I think this is 
also a great precursor to when we meet Toph and her whole way of seeing the world is through vibrations. Mm. It's just kind of cool how everything in Avatar kind of ties together. Yeah. Then Sokka is able to see that actually only one person is approaching because Jet at this point has asked his freedom fighters to prepare and get in position, but it's just one person. And then Sokka says, wait, false alarm. It's an old man. Old man number four. (laughs) Um, And he's like, we can't attack. He's just an old man. But as we know, we can't trust old men. So maybe they really should be attacking. (laughs) 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 Old man, old men be snitches. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. And then Jet hops down from the trees and he says, what are you doing in our woods, you leech? Um, And right now, you know, even though old men are kind of sus, it's like, wow, you leech? Like, that's a little harsh. So mm, I don't know how much we like Jet right now. Yeah, and I think the scene really humanizes um, the old man because he is wearing Fire Nation robes. Uh, So clearly he's part of the Fire Nation and it humanizes kind of the enemy, I guess, in the show. Um, And as we learn later on, this old man is a good old man. So clearly this sets him apart from the Earth Kingdom old man. And so far, the only old men we've met that are good are all from the Fire Nation, including (gasps) if you count Shayu and Iroh. You're right. But Shayu's not old, by the way. I think we established that Shayu's not old. (laughs) But no, you're right. I'll, you know, permit including him in this one category for right now because that's a really good point you're just using him for your own purposes because that's a good choice do you really care about him (laughs) um yeah and then the man says he's just a traveler and jet knocks away his cane and then he says do you like destroying towns do you like destroying families do you and the old man says oh please let me go have mercy and then jet says does the fire nation let people go does the fire nation have mercy Uh, and he's about to just kick this old man in the face basically yeah so now we really don't like jet yeah uh but then Sokka comes in and saves the day and he stops jet from uh striking this man yeah yeah Sokka really has a good moment here and jet's like but he's fire nation and he says have you forgotten your mother um and they eventually leave and then they go back to the hideout and ang is just having a blast he really is a non-actor in this episode. He does not do anything significant. Um, but this is kind of a funny scene where he says, look, look what the Duke gave me. And he throws these little poppers that you might see at like New Year's or Fourth of July or something at the ground. And he throws one at Momo. And then Momo gets really mad and starts throwing. He hops onto Aang's shoulder and starts throwing them at Aang's feet, um, which is just really funny. Yeah, I want to do a quick call out here the animation is really really cool uh momo's animated in a very miyazaki-esque style um when he gets scared you know the fur starts at the front of his paws and like crawls its way up to his back uh it reminds me a lot of the cat in kiki's delivery service yeah it is very cute um and then katara you know is like oh is jet back and Sokka says he's back but we're leaving and katara says but I made him this hat, <laughs> just this hideous hat. Um, and the music here is like, ding, 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 or something. I don't know. That was horrible. But yeah, basically the music here I noticed was just kind of cute and a little cinematic too. Um, and I just thought the music this whole episode was also a little fun and different, just like the animation was kind of more over the top and, you know, dramatized. I think the music is also quite dramatic in some parts of this episode as well um 
And then Sokka says, your boyfriend Jet's a thug. He's messed up Katara. And Aang says, oh, he's just different and has a different way of life, a really fun way of life. <laughs> so Aang does not care about anything right now. He just is happy that he has no responsibility for a little brief period of time. And Sokka reveals that he beat and robbed a harmless old man. And Katara says, I want to hear Jet's side of the story. And... They then go to Jet because Katara is determined to only see the perfect swoon-worthy handsome warrior Jet who can do no wrong. And Katara finds out from Jet that Sokka left out the part about the man being from the Fire Nation. And Sokka says, doesn't matter, he was just a harmless civilian. And then Jet says, he was an assassin, Sokka. And he throws this assassin's knife into the stump. um, And he says that there was poison in the handle and this assassin had been sent to eliminate him. Yeah, and then Jet says, you helped save my life, Sokka. And he looks pretty genuine here. So again, in this one, he kind of, he has these sad eyes and I was like, okay, Jet, I believe you. And Katara is the same. And she says, she has her love goggles on that she's seeing everything through. And she's like, see Sokka and then Sokka says well I didn't see any knife and then he storms off and then Jet turns to Aang and Katara and says I really need you guys' help to save the forest tomorrow the Fire Nation is about to burn down everything so this is when he finally gets Aang and Katara in his pockets to do his dirty work for him um yeah and then the next scene is Katara and Aang going back to confront Sokka and Katara says Oh, we can't leave now. The Fire Nation is about to burn down the whole forest. And Sokka says, I'm sorry, Katara. Jet's very smooth, but we can't trust him. There's a a lesson for all you ladies and gentlemen out there. You never trust the charmers. You trust the nice ones who are not that suave, but are nice. (laughs) But not the charmers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then Katara storms off. And then she's like, come on, Aang. And then Aang's just like, sorry, Sokka, and walks away with Katara. <laughs> so Aang has <laughs> no agency so and is not a person in this episode. Yeah, that was just incredibly lame. Um, but anyways, then it's nighttime and Appa is first. Appa is sleeping in this bed of trees and it looks like the, mo- like the most comfortable, best thing ever for him. I just thought that was a nice, quick little shot. Um, and then Sokka hears Jet say, let's go in the middle of the night. And he wakes up to follow them. And as he's following them, he sees them taking the blasting jelly over to the dam. And then he overhears Jet saying, OK, blow the dam only once the reservoir is full or else the Fire Nation troops could survive. And then the Duke says, but what happens to the people in the town? Won't they get wiped out, too? And Jet says, look, Duke, that's the price of ridding this area of the Fire Nation. Um And yeah, this is when you just realize that like, whoa, something really messed up is about to happen. And we did not think it would go this far where they're going to wipe out the entire valley. But you realize that Jet is not a he's a bad dude. He's a bad dude. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I think this dilemma is kind of similar to the Three Gorges Dam project in China, which at the airing of this during the airing of this show was still under construction um and this poses moral dilemma of whether or not they should build this like dam which would displace a lot of people um and kill a vast majority of the eco uh environment in the area i think in a bigger picture it's very cool that this show touches upon this you know this question of 
what is justice? What is vindication? What does that mean? And in war, a lot of the times when people decide that one nation is evil, they can kind of like remove the humanity from those people and take action. And I just think of things like the Ost Front after World War II and how, you know, there were a lot of war crimes committed on the Eastern Front after the Russians came back in. Mm, totally. Yeah. yeah. And then Sokka gets discovered. Yeah. As they're about to unleash their plan. Yeah. So Sokka gets discovered. It's the dead of night. And then we go to a commercial break and then we come back from the commercial break and the sun is up and it's morning. So what happened there? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Cinema sin. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, Sokka says, I heard your plan to destroy the whole Earth Kingdom town. And then Jet says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Our plan is to rid the valley of the Fire Nation. So, you know. Anything can go if you spin it a certain way. So there's Jet um, kind of justifying his actions again. Yeah. And then Sokka retorts back uh, that he lied to Aang and Katara, which is very true. Uh, And then (laughs) Jet says they don't understand the demands of war like you or I. So again, uh, Jet is trying to appeal to the warrior instinct in Sokka maybe the the insecure warrior instinct in Sokka to try to get him to his side um and he's kind of corrupting like the demands of war either it's you know it can either be viewed as a corruption of like what war has become because killing innocents you know in the kind of romanticized version of war if that's possible um you know it, it was out on the battlefield it never involved innocent civilians um so that's that's one side of it or you can view it as you know this is what war the fire nation and war has done to people and kids like jet it's brought them to the point where they see taking out a whole fire nation village even of innocent people's only way forward so either way it's really sad um but this was also the moment where to me i, I know justin kind of mentioned it but when i was rewatching it i kind of realized like wow you really see how evil jet and the freedom fighters really are they're trying to wipe out a whole town of innocence and are really no better than the fire nation uh in this way and like dustin said it's really interesting how the people trying to that are trying to beat the fire nation are like the villainous people of this episode and are actually really evil they're not just like a thorn in the side of the protagonist they're like an evil of their own mm, yeah that's a really good point Anyways, then Jet sees that Sokka won't change his mind. There's no manipulating or charming him into his ways. So he detains him so he can't tell Aang and Katara his evil plan. And then we get to a scene of Aang and Katara helping Jet. And Katara apologizes for how Sokka has been acting lately. And he says, oh, don't worry. Sokka already apologized. And Aang is like, what? (laughs) Yeah, I just thought it was funny because Aang's instincts here are correct. Sokka would not apologize. No, he would not. He's very stubborn. Um, And Jet says, I was surprised too. I got the sense that maybe you'd talk to him or something. And Katara's like, yeah, I did. Um, And then Jet says, well, I guess something you said got through to him. Um, And here he goes again with the flattery and the manipulation. So clever. Uh, And then Katara responds uh, about Sokka. He's so stubborn sometimes. And I'm like, oh, man, Katara, have you ever looked in the mirror? No (laughs) self-awareness there at all. That's pretty funny. Um, Yeah. And then, yeah, I guess it runs in the family. So then Jet says, 
Okay, so I need you guys to bend the water out of these vents in order to fill the reservoir. Yeah, and then Katara says she's never water-bended water she couldn't see before. But this is actually not true because she has water-bended water out of Aang's lungs in the Warriors of Kyoshi episode that she couldn't see. So another fact to bolster my hypothesis that these are all independent episodes that could have been ordered arbitrarily. (laughs) Yeah, also... In the first episode, when she kind of turns her eyes away and closes them, she throws the water and it freezes all of the Fire Nation guards. Yeah, that is a good point. Yeah, so she's done it many, many times. But another way you can read this is it's Katara playing, just uh, utilizing the let's play dumb and be coy tactic where she's like, oh, like, you know, like, I'm still learning. Like, he's the avatar, but I've got a lot of work to do. Um, And it works. Because Jet like puts his arms around her and he says, Katara, you can do this. And this is another part of the episode where I real I noticed that there's this beautiful, like uplifting cinematic music that's playing in the background. And yeah, another thing I noticed again, Aang is not jealous at all. Whereas like he's gotten jealous for much more insignificant things. Um, but he's just like also, ooh, Jet, or just I don't know. I don't know what his deal is. He's being so weird in this episode. Yeah, and then Aang and Katara start bending water out of the what I presume are geysers. Um, and the light motif for Aang and Katara water bending plays here, which is the same music that we hear when they try to bend the waves to move the ship in the previous episode. Um, so I thought yeah. that was really cool. And another thought I have is like, this isn't how water works because after they stop bending, the water just keeps coming out of the geysers, um, in perpetuity, um, which is also like a weird physics goof. Yeah. And then, um, Jet says, I'm going to leave, check on the reservoir. But then Katara says, oh, we'll meet you down then when we're done. And Jet is like, how about no, because <laughs> he's sketchy. And then... Too bad for him because Katara and Aang do all their work very quickly and they are done filling up the river and Katara's like, oh, let's go to see Jet by the reservoir. Like, I'm sure he'll be happy to see us. So really, Katara's crush saves the day, mm. even though it was toxic. <laughs> so I don't know what kind of lesson this is telling the youngins. But anyways, um, yeah, anyways, we go back to Sokka on his walk uh, with Pip, Squeak, and Smeller Bee. Um, and so they're just having a little conversation, and Sokka's like, oh, are you really going to follow through with what Jet is doing here, like taking out a whole village? And Pip, Squeak says, you know, he's a good leader. We follow what he says, and things usually turn out okay. Yeah, this might just be a manifestation of how manipulative Jet is, um, because these freedom fighters are made up of this band of broken orphan children starving children who are just you know completely down in the dumps and then he just he gave them a purpose he gave them a family um and that's you know because he protects them and cares for them that they you know they'll just do whatever he says so it's just maybe he maybe if we want to paint him in a more evil light is that he's like using all these really downtrodden like like sad kids and like because they have nowhere else to turn um so yeah and they'll follow him yeah that's really good point i guess reminiscent of a lot of cult leaders yeah exactly um and so uh while they're in the middle of this conversation uh sokka somehow 
outsmarts the other two and escapes from uh, Smellersby's grasp and runs away. And then he avoids the traps, but uh, uh, Pipsqueak and Smellerby run straight into the traps that they may have had a hand in setting up. So I don't know how realistic that is. But anyway, Sokka gets away. Yeah. And I thought this is kind of cool because even if it didn't really make sense for them, unfortunately, the Smellerby and squeak unfortunately and that was a cool continuity it reminded me of the air vent continuity that we saw in imprisoned where um the air vent kind of comes back as like the main thing that saves them all and then it goes back to ang and katara they're at the reservoir and they see jet and ang realizes that oh my gosh they're going to use the blasting jelly to blow the dam and katara is just in complete disbelief she's saying that jet would not do that jet wouldn't destroy the town um and she feels really betrayed and it's the feeling you get when you realize he's not all that you know <laughs> she's bought into the cult of jet yeah exactly you can't can't fall for the charmers then ang is about to get on his glider and leave to stop them but he gets stopped by jet who magically appears like out of nowhere like wasn't he at the res i don't i don't even understand well he no he wasn't at the reservoir they were seeing the other freedom fighters but still he just magically appears and he tries to get qatar to understand he says um we can't you know like think about your mother we can't let them do this to anybody else ever again jet says i want you to understand me katara i thought your brother would but and then katara starts crying and then she says where's sokka and then he puts his grimy little bloodstained fingers on her face and she just water bends him away and finally katara understands that you know she takes off the lovey-dovey goggles and realizes that jet is a horrible person yeah i i was what i kind of noticed was it's the exact moment when sokka is threatened or she realizes that like real harm has been done to sokka that she flips and finally takes off those goggles, which that is a cool touch. So it shows that, you know, their bond is stronger than than anything else. In mm-hmm. the end. Yeah, definitely. They they do have some really good moments between the two of them, which are always really touching. And then this fight breaks out and there are drums and it's very exciting and intense. And Aang, uh, Jet kind of starts attacking Aang and Aang refuses to fight Jet. Uh, he's just like, I won't fight you because Aang is, you know, he's like, whoa, I thought Jet was my friend. Yeah, in this scene, the Avatar extras kind of reference the inspiration for this fight um, from Naruto, which is really cool. It kind of reminded me of the fight uh, during the Chunin exams where they're fighting Orochimaru in the trees for you Naruto fans. Yeah, it's it's a really neat fight scene. Um, yeah, and then Jet, uh, you know, is again having some, has some really interesting fighting tactics uh he hooks his swords together to act kind of like a nunchuck at one point when they're fighting in the trees um he can also use his swords to climb the trees um it is really it's really cool fighting like you got to give jet that he's a great fighter um and he's also a very aggressive fighter like he is swinging his swords very very forcefully at ang and if ang had missed like ang the whole time is just trying to evade and if he had misstepped he would have gotten sliced in half like i was very afraid for ang and i was you know jet is not fooling around in this scene <laughs> nickelodeon cuts funding and ang gets killed in this episode and <laughs> <Yeah>. that's the show <laughs> no yeah totally also the the airbending in the scene when ang is airbending looks really cool it's it looks a lot more flowy uh, and it looks a lot more like the water that they've done with the water bending in this 
uh, show. And it's kind of strange that, I mean, maybe it's the animators you're talking about, Justin, that um, like they animated airbending differently uh, in this uh, singular episode. But it looks pretty cool. I'm a big fan. Yeah, because airbending is a very useful element. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Uh, sometimes. (laughs) Um, yeah, but anyway, um, they fight and then uh, at the end, uh, Katara gets Jet and she pounds him with some water and then in the end uses this breath that turns the water into ice and traps Jet against the tree trunk. So we see Katara uh, bringing ice into the picture again, which is, I guess, becoming one of her signature techniques. Yeah, something I noticed that was really cool is as the water freezes, it expands. So they get that part of physics correct. Yeah, wow, good catch. Um, Yeah, and then Katara finally confronts Jet and she says, why, Jet? I can't believe you lied to me. You're sick and I trusted you. Um, So there you go. That's the final lesson for the young girls, which is don't go for the slick guys. And, you know, infatuation ain't it. You know, you got to really know their character, which is why even though I ship Zutara, the Katara Aang relationship in the end is one that's built off of a lot of trust and deep friendship. And that's the kind of relationship you want, everybody. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, Thanks for that PSA, Joyce. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, You know, mention me at your wedding. (laughs) Yeah, but then right after this, um, there was a real gotcha moment, or at least I was kind of shocked. Uh, we see Jet give the signal uh, and uh, Longshot uh, fires the arrow, which um, blasts the jelly, which bursts the dam and the water floods into the valley. And I didn't think that would happen because now you think, you know, his plan succeeded. Everyone mm-hmm. died. Something that struck me is Aang kind of gets away from Jet and he tries to ride on the glider, but there's a hole in it, so he can't fly. Uh, which, A, he's not a fully realized airbender yet. But also, it's kind of weird to me that Aang doesn't enter the Avatar state here. Um, even though, like, later in the show, we kind of see him berserk when he loses his, you know, flying bison. Um, but <laughs> a town full of innocence isn't enough to kick it in. And then, so yeah, Aang fails, unfortunately. And um, all they have left to do is pray that Sokka saves the day. Um, so then you see Longshot has, you know blasted the dam and we see this huge tsunami wave come over the town and you see this girl's doll floating in the water it's just so like you really think it's over i mean it really happened there was nothing like Sokka didn't i don't know stop suddenly get water bending and stop the wave from attacking literally <laughs> destroying the town um and then so ing guitar think that Sokka didn't make it in time but then he returns Weirdly enough, this scene reminded me of in Mulan where, you know, they're showing the devastated war part and the Han leader kind of picks up the doll. He's like, yeah, "Ah." it did. Wait, Another reference, if I may make one, is for all you Breaking Bad fans out there in season two after the uh, plane explodes and there's all this debris and it's a great tragedy. And then there's that teddy bear in the pool and... Uh, Walter White picks up the teddy bear and it's very sad. Hmm. But they didn't have Sokka to save the day. <laughs> That's true. Exactly. Um, yeah. So when Sokka returns on Appa, there's this like there are trumpets. There's, you know, grand music again. This is another moment where I was like, whoa, the music is so it's just heightening the scene so much. Um, and yeah, 
it was pretty it was a nice detail. Another interesting detail about when the village gets flooded is that there's cabbages right in the village as it gets destroyed that are washed away. Um, I thought that was a nice touch and kind of fits this thesis that cabbages are a stand in for economic destruction. That's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah that's a good catch. Uh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then we see that uh, in the end, Sokka is a real hero because uh, he warned the town of the incoming flood. And at first, the people didn't um, didn't believe Sokka because he's an outsider. But then the old man vouches <gasps> for Sokka. And in the end, he saves the day. So in the oh, end, man. he is a true hero and he was able to solve this whole you know, conflict without resorting to violence. So he he's not the typical warrior in this episode, but he definitely grows um, and matures because he is the one that saves the day. Yeah. So when Sokka is talking, there's this like montage of him trying to persuade the Fire Nation or the people in the village. And I thought it was kind of cool that they illustrated it in a very like in a sketch like way of like, a you know, a montage of these different images. Um, I just thought it was different. Um, and it was, it was nice to see that. Hmm. I thought it might've been like a little lazy. Maybe they were like short on production time. Cause they spent so much time like animating. These other really cool fight scenes. Mm, that's also possible. That's, I mean, it's definitely easier to have those still shots than to animate. And then this girl finds her doll, Mrs. Pretty, which is very cute. Um, and yeah, everything is happy. Yeah, and then and then one of Sokka's last lines to Jet is, "You became a traitor when you stopped protecting innocent people," and I think there he's you know redefining um, what it means to be a warrior again. In the like the virtuous warrior is someone who stands up for innocent people and is not a vengeful person who goes who goes out to take revenge on innocent people. Snaps to that, and then Katara final like you know cuts it off with Jet completely and Jet tries to get Katara to help him again and she's like bye bish and that's the end of the episode <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so with that let's just get on with our ratings of the episode all righty I'm gonna give this episode a five I think it's an average episode uh I think the good is that the animation was really cool I mean it is very different from the rest of the show but I do like the animation, some of the references to other things, inspiration of the village hideout, for example. I thought the, the hideout was really pretty. The fighting was very good in this episode. Um, the airbending animation was really cool. Uh, and we do see some Sokka growth in this episode, maybe some Katara growth. I don't know, but more like more realistic Sokka growth, I think, than the Warriors of Kiyoshi episode. Um and I thought like the whole cast of characters was was pretty cool. Like Jet is an interesting character. Some of the other Freedom Fighters are, you know, de decent characters. Um, the bad, I think, is that, uh, first of all, I don't know that all the characters were like totally all believable, like Aang in this episode. Um, but yeah, I guess I don't know that the plot of this episode is like totally believable. Some things just feel kind of over the top to me. Um, and it wasn't like the most interesting Avatar episode. There were some like cool moral points again, kind of like in, in prison, but the overall arc of the whole episode, um, wasn't 
crazy for me and because it's such like an independent episode and doesn't really tie in with the rest of the, the show that much except for when jet shows up again um yeah i'm gonna give it a five i think i'm gonna give it a seven um i think a lot of the reasons that you bring up aren't as big of issues for me um this episode they took a lot of stylistic risks which which i think they nail and Jet was such a, you know, interesting, dynamic character that they did bring him back later on in the show. And the rest of the Freedom uh, freedom Fighters do make it back later on in the comics, too. Um, so I think, you know, it introduces, like, fairly pivotal characters. Um, and also, I think the moral questions they ask in this episode are much deeper than that of Imprisoned. I think Imprisoned's like a very simple take um, kind of on the weird variation of like the trolley problem, except it's yourself instead of someone else. Uh, Whereas this is like something much deeper. And I do agree that I would have given higher rating if Aang had any type of agency. And, you know, it doesn't feel like Team Avatar. It feels like things are happening to Sokka and Katara. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with what Justin said and the reasons that Anand said, the, the positive reasons for why I gave this episode an eight. Um, so yeah, the only bad thing I wrote down was that, not obviously not the only bad thing, the only notable bad thing that I wrote was that Aang was a non-actor. And um, so basically my answer aligns with what Justin's was. I just gave it a one point higher. Um, but yeah, I thought the music was fun. I thought like the cool, the animation style uh, was unique and a little different. Um, and I just felt that the whole episode was felt like self-contained in a really full way. So kind of pushing back on Anand's critique of it being unrelated to the plot. I thought it was, I thought it was like related enough because there was a lot of character growth with Sokka and, um, yeah, I guess mostly with Sokka, which we were overdue for a Sokka-centric episode. Actually, no, we had Sokka in Warriors of Kyoshi. But anyways, it was a nice it was nice to see Sokka grow in this episode, but yeah, I thought the plot was pretty substantial. There maybe there were some slightly unbelievable moments, but I thought that there were many twists and turns. The gotcha moment at the end, Jet with the old man, um, and I thought it can just it just kind of stands on its own as this like hefty like so much happens in this episode. I was almost surprised that it was only twenty minutes. Um, you experience the highs and lows of Jet, whether or not you should trust him. Um, Again, the redemption arc of Sokka. There's just a lot that happens. And I thought it was, it felt like very, like a full experience. Um, I also think Jet is a really interesting character. He's such a moral foil to Sokka, but also in this episode, but also just Aang and everybody else in Team Avatar, um, who is good. Um, and yeah, he was so great that they brought him back. And, you know, the themes that they address of not being vindictive, having mercy, not harming innocent people and forgiveness. Like they're all really important themes of the show that Jet is a good foil to. Um, And he's just really interesting to watch. Like I kind of made that comparison to Azula, who I love as a character. Like I think they're just both so interesting to as, you know, they add a different flavor to the show. Um, Sokka gets the respect he deserves and he's really good. And there's obviously romance, which is kind of blown out of proportion, but I still enjoy it. Um, and then, uh, yeah, one thing I realized at the very end was I didn't even notice that Zuko and Iroh weren't in this episode, whereas I noticed it for other ones. And I just didn't even mind at all that they weren't in this one. Like I thought that there was so much going on and, um, yeah, that's why I think it was a good episode. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I forgot, but not to mention all the great homages they make to other works. Round of applause. Okay. That wraps up this episode of the podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed our discussion of Jet. As always, we release on What's Up on Wednesday, so we'll see you next time for our discussion of The Great Divide. Um, in the meantime, if you want to stay up to date with when we release or submit any thoughts or questions, like maybe the many various questions we asked in this episode, feel free to follow us on Instagram or Twitter at, at what's underscore oppa, like our Facebook page, or you can email us at whatsoppapod at gmail.com. Um, and if you please, you can rate us on Apple Podcasts um, and what, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Um, thanks again, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Flamio Ottman. <laughs> <laughs>